Yeah, so that's, again, that's, that's the idea, this, this vocation of rabbi. Let me, let me add a few comments on this, and there might be a little bit of overlap, but I wanted to share a couple things about this, too. Again, when, when we talk about this, this word rabbi, um, it, it's this Aramaic word. It just means teacher or master. That's kind of how they understood it. And again, he mentioned this in the video. During the time of Jesus, far and away, the rabbis, right, the teachers of the law, the Torah, were the most important and revered people in society. I was trying to think about somebody who was, who, who is that for us right now? Um, the person who came to mind was, you know, very early on in the pandemic, the way Dr. Fauci was for us, right? We looked to Dr. He was probably one of the most revered people in our society, the way we looked to him and respected him. And everything that he said was we were listening to very closely. Um, for some people, not all people, but for some people, Dr. Fauci's fallen out of favor a little bit. But there was definitely, I think, that that time for us as a country where we, he was probably one of the most important and revered people in society. That, that's the way that they would have viewed a rabbi, right? Um, and then a disciple was young men or young, sorry, ladies, you were not allowed to, to do this at this time, who, who simply followed a rabbi. For us as a church, this takes us kind of all the way back to our origins as a church. And I think Rob and Jill, and you right, might remember this. Dietrich, I don't know if you remember this, or maybe you guys have seen this around. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we can make it through a pandemic, we can make it through some spilled cookies. All good? Here, why don't we put those in, uh, in this guy? Oh boy. We'll feed those to the kids. <laughs> That's okay. That happens, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so again, this kind of takes us all the way back to our origins as a church, where when, when we started this church way back in, in 2011, and even before that, when we kind of had like our, our pre-meetings, and we talked about our vision as a church. Uh, it, was, it was, you know, we kind of stole this from Jesus, um, which is to love God and to love others, right? Jesus says the most important command, the greatest command, love God and love others. The way that we do that, because this, this love term ends up being a bit generic, um, it ends up being a bit overused, uh, and it doesn't really have that meaning to it. But the way that we do that, uh, the way that we love God is um, through, through worship and prayer, and again, worship, when we talk about worship, worship isn't necessarily just um, the kind of fuzzy feelings or, or the warm butterflies that we get when Brian plays that song that we like or when we're driving around in the car and we hear that song that, on the fish or whatever radio station or whatever you like to listen to that are just really like, oh man, I'm, I'm worshiping the Lord. Worship is like our entire lives devoted to God. Given our entire being, everything that we are is, is kind of devoted to God. That's what worship is for us. And then prayer and, and one of the things I think that's developed a lot for me over the years of being a pastor, over the years of thinking about this, and I mentioned this as I was praying this morning, but prayer for us isn't just worrying out loud, right? A lot of people, that's all prayer is for them. They just think, have all these concerns, all these things that are on their heart, their mind, and they just worry them out loud to God. To me, prayer is as much listening, probably if not more listening as I've learned, as it is actually speaking, right? But it is that communication. 
going back and forth to God. And that is the way that, that we're trying to love God in our, in, our, in our church. And then the way that we love others, service, as you guys know, since day one, our church, fifth Sunday serve, we're looking for ways to serve. Fourth of July, bike decorations, all the different ways that we've tried to serve this neighborhood and those in need, um, having community. You guys remember when we would do picnics together and we'd have all this food out that we would share and people wouldn't think twice about it and we'd eat off each other's, you know. Um, we, we'd have picnics together and bringing folks together in the neighborhood and doing things together. Um, by the way, the service happening right now. I see Eric Gunn and Brian Deshaun over there cleaning up those cookie crumbs. And that's the way that we learn to love others. Now this, this again, kind of forms, if, if you kind of see this, such creative um, design that I did. I was so proud of myself back in 2010 when I made this. Look at this. But that forms our discipleship, right? That's what it means for us to be a disciple. When we talk about discipleship, because this is the term that we probably should use. Dallas Willard wrote a book a couple years ago. It's called The Great Omission. And he talks about how this book, The Great Omission, he talks about how this word disciple or discipleship has been omitted from Christianity. It's kind of been taken away. And he says this in his book, this is at the very beginning of his book. He says the word disciple occurs 269 times in the New Testament. Christian is found three times and it was first introduced to refer precisely to disciples of Jesus. A disciple is a learner, a student, an apprentice, a practitioner, even if only uh, a beginner. The New Testament literature, which must be allowed to define our terms, makes this clear. One more part of this quote. In that context, disciples of Jesus are people who do not just profess certain views as their own, but apply their growing understanding of life in the kingdom of heaven to every aspect of their life on earth. In contrast, the governing assumption today among professing Christians is that we can be Christians forever and never become disciples, right? And so Dallas kind of talks about this. And, and if you've known, and I've quoted Dallas, and, um, and, and I've used Dallas's words and wisdom over the years, Dallas talks about this idea of becoming an apprentice of Jesus, right? A learner, a student, somebody who studies Jesus. I felt the Lord put this on my heart to just shamelessly plug this. And I, I don't know why, and I'm not such a plug guy, but you guys know that a couple years ago, I did this, this program. It was called the Apprentice Institute. It was um, the Apprentice Experience. It was through, um, this, is a, this is a picture of a, a university in Wichita. It was through a university in Wichita called Friends University. Um, and it was these week-long residencies that I would travel back to Wichita to go, and, and I would spend some time learning under one of Dallas, one of the guys that, uh, that Dallas had mentored, a guy named James Bryant Smith. Um, he kind of created this, this idea, this experience called the Apprentice uh, Institute or Experience. And it was all about discipleship, right? How to be a disciple in this world. And, and for a week, over a, couple, over a year and a half, we would gather four different times. You would just spend time studying, learning, practicing, engaging the ways of Jesus. Um, they, they've kind of rebranded it a little bit, and it's, it's called the, the Dallas Willard Ministries School of Kingdom Living. And they're going to start a new cohort in February 2022. 
The great news is you don't have to go to Wichita anymore because there's really not a whole lot going on in Wichita. They are, they are doing it right up in Pasadena at the uh, Mater De La Rosa Center up there in Pasadena, beautiful location. Um, and I just, I was like, you know what? We're talking about discipleship. We're talking about this idea of rabbi. Um, maybe somebody would be sitting in this room thinking, yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd like to kind of take my, my discipleship, my, my relationship with the Lord into, an, into a new level, right? In, into something new. And so if, you, if you'd want to do that or, or just look more into that or you have some questions, yeah, you could always chat, chat me up about it. Th- this was so important for me um, to do as a pastor. I'd encourage everybody. Up. I'd love to have our whole church do it if we could. Um, but this was so, uh, like I said, transformative for me. Uh, again, if you want to just look it up and, and see what it's all about, there's, there's a website out there. They have a Facebook page and, and whatnot. The Lord just put that on my heart to shamelessly plug that. That's all I got. That's the end of the sermon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got a couple more things. So again, just, just one other thought about this kind of rabbi discipleship, because this is a big piece of, of who our, our church is. You know, as our church, and this is kind of part of our mission statement as a church, um, Christian ends up being an outcome, not an identifier. It is the outcome of a life surrendered to Christ in daily discipleship. I was thinking about this, these first two sentences. Um, let me pause there for a second. I almost was thinking on my deathbed, right? I don't know why I was thinking about myself on my deathbed, but I was. And I thought to myself on my deathbed, you know, you're kind of your famous last words. Like maybe on my deathbed, I would whisper, I think I'm close to becoming a Christian, right? I think I'm almost a Christian. When we think about, when we think about Christian as being like the outcome the almost the end result of all the little discipleship decisions that we make throughout our lives again and again and again. This idea, because so many people, we just think, oh, I'm a Christian and it's just a label that gets applied to everything. But I'm a disciple following Jesus, following this rabbi, learning to be like him, speak like him, learn, do everything like him, right? So again, in the New Testament, this word's used over 250 times. Christianity, Christian is used only three. And we are primarily focusing our energy on living as apprentices of Jesus, learning to live, speak, and orient our lives around following him. Again, we don't stop here. Our goal is to live out the great commission, making disciples as well as living as disciples. All right. Let me close up with three things. And I don't even have like a title for these three things. I just want to do three things. Two things and then one little quick exercise for our discussion time. So we've been doing this ELI 5 series. And part of the ELI 5 series is that you would um, use kind of common analogies, metaphors, easy to understand uh, ideas. So the idea that came to my mind as I was thinking about this rabbi-teacher relationship, I was thinking about my phenomenal young girls over there at Ender's Elementary School. This is them doing the jogathon. Um, man, people running around, sweating on each other, doing all this stuff. Uh, this is jogathon a couple of years ago. Well, well, yeah, one year ago, um, 20, 2019. Yeah? Yeah. So, jogathon. And I'm thinking about them um, in, in so many ways. This, this kind of student teacher relationship really. Um, it, it really parallels this, this rabbi-disciple relationship that we're kind of exploring this morning, right? 
these, these girls, they sit in the classroom. They repeat what the teacher says. They abide by the classroom rules and instructions. They participate in the activities the teacher instructs. And you see really as, as again, just kind of a real simple metaphor, the student-teacher relationship would be very similar to the, that rabbi-student relationship that Jesus and his disciples would have experienced, right? Now, the end result of that is that these girls are Ender's Mustangs, right? That's their, their school logo. They are the Ender's Mustangs. Shame on me. I should have had a picture of Junior up there. He was probably whooping my girls in that <laughs> jogathon too. He was probably out hustling those girls. Um, they are Ender's Mustang. That's the outcome of their relationship as in being in school, right? See, what happens is um, I don't call myself an Ender's Mustang just because my kids go there, right? But we see this often. How many people call themselves a Christian because, oh, well, my parents were Christians or, or you know, I have some, some, some friends that are Christians or my uncle's a pastor, right? There, there isn't this proximity relationship that allows me to claim myself as an Ender's Mustang just because I have some people who are there because I know a teacher, oh, I know a teacher over at Ender's or, you know, I have friends whose kids go there, right? We, we don't call ourselves Christians just because, or, or disciples just because we have people in proximity to that, to that school, right? I live a few miles away from the campus. And occasionally, you know, I go stop by the campus and pick up my kids, right? Again, how many people would call themselves Christians, would call themselves disciples? I stop by that particular building in the park for an, about an hour on Sunday morning. I'm a, I'm a Christian. You know, that's what I do. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I know some arithmetic. I can name all 50 state capitals. I can even name a few of those teachers at the school. And a lot of people think that, that just because they have a little bit of knowledge about Jesus, about Christianity, about the church, that makes them a Christian, that makes them a disciple. Oftentimes, um, people's biggest obstacle to God is what they think they know about him, right? So, again, just this metaphor we, we don't call ourselves disciples, followers, just because of these, these proxy elements that happen to happen in our lives. It's because we are orienting our lives to being like Jesus. Second thing I just want to say, when Jesus calls his disciples, they inevitably, almost automatically leave something behind, right? They always leave something behind. So some examples would be here. And I think Rob mentioned this in, 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 the, in the video. Simon and Andrew in Mark 1, 16 through 18, right? Simon and Andrew are, are, are casting their nets into the lake because they're fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them. I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and began to follow Jesus, right? This is Jesus. I was thinking about this. This is Jesus rolling up like onto, uh, uh, for some reason I was thinking about construction workers. And he's, you know, he'd roll up to the construction work site and he'd say to the guy, hey, follow me. And at once the construction worker left his tools and his truck and all his materials and supplies behind and left Jesus. Imagine leaving the very thing that makes you all the money to go follow Jesus. And again, the way Rob explain it makes perfect sense but we don't we don't think about this they leave their nets behind now James and John 
are, are in a boat with hired men. They're up the social ladder, right? They, they leave their father, they leave the hired men, they leave the boats, and they begin to follow Jesus. Imagine Jesus not only walks onto a construction site, but this construction worker has an empire of construction. And he says, follow me. And he leaves the offices, he leaves all the trucks, he leaves all the equipment, he leaves everything, and he begins to follow Jesus. He leaves the entire business behind, right? In Matthew, when, when Jesus calls the, the t- uh, Matthew the tax collector, right? He leaves, the, the Bible says there, he leaves everything behind. Money, records, ledgers, um, oper- all, all that he had, his, his clothing, all the money that he makes, he leaves it to follow Jesus. And here's why this is important, right? Because when you see Jesus calling people, they're leaving stuff behind. And here's why this is important. Because if you haven't sacrificed anything to follow Jesus, you probably aren't, right? If nothing has changed, then nothing has changed. And oftentimes, we think that we can kind of just add Jesus in as this additive to our life, right? It's like, Jesus, yeah, just come on, and I'm, I kind of got my own thing going on. I'm, I got my own kingdom working here. And you can kind of come in occasionally to make me feel good, or if I'm doing stuff that's wrong, you can convict me of that. And I, but I, I kind of am doing my own thing, and you can come along for the ride, right? But it's, the Bible doesn't say that it works like that. The Bible says that when you be, really begin to follow Jesus, when you really give your heart to him, right, things change sacrifices are made, right? It's not just, I said this prayer, I got some warm fuzzies, you know, I've adjusted some of my morality. No, it's, it's sacrifices. And, and I want to say this too, because it's, it's not just like the big ones. But again, Jesus says, I want you to take up your cross daily. It's the daily sacrifices we make. It's the daily changes we make to follow Jesus. Lastly, number three, I want to finish this with a little bit of a group exercise slash discussion, okay? I want you to think about Jesus for a second, because we're talking about Jesus here as our rabbi. We're thinking about ourselves in primarily that position of disciple. I want you to turn uh, to the person next to you or around, around you, and I want you to think about this question. What do you see in Jesus? As you've studied, as you've read, as you've listened, as you've observed, what do you see in Jesus that you absolutely love, that you admire, that you esteem, that you respect, that you would want to emulate in your life? Okay? So turn to the person next to you, think about that question for about 30 seconds or a minute, and come up with an answer or two on that. Okay?
All right, let's do 30 more seconds and then All right, let me start over here on this side. And I want to hear kind of some responses. And if, if, if your response ends up overlapping, it's fine. Don't feel like you need to like kind of come up with a new one just because someone else has taken that. We'll just kind of, let's make a, a little list right here of, of things that you, Isan, you're going to have to wait your turn, not yet. Okay. I'm not letting you speak yet. You have to wait five minutes. No, just kidding. Isan, no, just kidding. I'm going to start with teacher and Eric. I just gave you a hard time, Isan. I saw you joking around with your sisters last weekend at the wedding. That's why I'm joking around with you right now. Uh, Eric and Dietrich, go ahead and start. <laughs> um, if you judge by team white, the character in team white, uh, we're helpless and we get not to, uh, like, you know what I mean? Whether it's people with the lepers, whether it's prostitutes, or whether it's, you know what I mean? Like, we, we would judge a person by, like, their inner character. Mm -hmm. Are those two, or those are kind of seem like two separate ideas, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, it's so on your turn. You see, the thing that you would love and respect and admire is the way that Jesus sacrificed for you. Right. Yeah. That's good, Isan. Thank you. Uh, what about y'all, the, the Grimans tribe? I remember talking about that a couple weeks, months ago. That was really important to continue to think about. Yeah. Ash, were you going to say yeah, something? No, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of little. Mr. Hoskins.
you guys kind of combined, the three of you. Did you want to share one or two, or what came what came to? Empathy. I'm having a little bit of a nervous moment here. Could somebody spell check unconditionally? Is it two L's in there or are we talking one L? I think you're good. You think I'm good? Yeah. Nothing undermines your credibility than misspelling words. <laughs> um, did you want to add anything, Chris? Or? Yeah, I mean, that kind of, in, in some senses, that kind of combines these two, right? He, re, he respects, you know, kind of us, and, and he ends up kind of going beneath. He ends up being the servant of humanity, the low of the low. Um, yeah, let me kind of leave that one there, too. Did you guys all tag team in here? What would you guys... Mm-hmm. Um, Anything else to add in there, from you guys? Yeah, mine, mine, essentially, just is because it's a struggle of mine. So it's something that I that I look to Jesus for is, is just compassion for everybody. I mean, He has compassion. on the cross that they're being deceived, right? I mean, even even people sinning in the midst of sin, his, his he just has compassion for them. Instead of having hatred for them, he feels sorry for yeah. them. Yeah. Right. I You're good? Okay. I feel like it's summed up just never Yeah. Anything else for you, Brian, that, that jumps yeah, out? You know, a couple things. I think, like, as a teacher, just his teaching style mm. is great. I love, always love his teaching style. And a big one for me, too, and this one might be kind of hard to explain, I guess. But, like, at some point, like, I really noticed, like, Jesus' total disregard for, like, approval from other people. Approval <laughs> from, you know, call approval from men or... Uh, it just seems like he, he did not care about being liked at all. You know what I mean? Um, does that make sense? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, for me, it's not like, hey, I don't, I, you know, I want to emulate that. I don't want to care if people like me or not. But, yeah. But not really, like, but not needing that. Yeah. Not needing that approval, not really, like, desiring that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've been, I've been working on studying that, that passage in Mark in Mark 12 where, um, some of the Pharisees, along with the Herodians, come to Jesus, and they begin to question, or they begin to test him. And then they say, "They say, teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You do not care about the opinions of men. 
nor are swayed by them because you do not pay attention to them. Yet you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, right? And they're kind of doing this to like get over on Jesus because then Jesus says, why are you trying to trick me? You know, why are you trying to trap me? Um, but yeah, he does, he does kind of have that. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of how to, how would we put that in a little? Yeah. It's kind of hard to describe. Okay. For me, it's like, it's not like a need, you know, like not really like a need for approval. You know what I mean? This is really getting anti-approval. And I had this great joke that I was going to throw in here because I thought we were going to stop at 11 and then I was going to use a spinal tap reference how our list goes to 11 and then you had to ruin it with your small number 12. Okay, so the second part of this, the second part of this then, <laughs> the second part of this, uh, yeah, I had the Grateful Dead and the spinal tap reference all lined up this morning and then it's just kind of, the second part of this is now you turn to the person next to you and here's our list. Here's, here's what we see in our rabbi. Here's what we see in our teacher. Here's what we see in this person who, again, as disciples, we want to model our life after, right? Like it's not just, we're not just sit here to learn more stuff in our head. We're saying, how do I model my life after this about Jesus, right? So the second part of this list, and I'm going to put over here is I'm going to put disciple, You can talk about your thing that you threw up on the list. As you look at this list, maybe something's kind of stood out to you. Now we will finish this list by like, like what do we do about that, right? Jesus, you, you, um, you, did, you judge, you know, like we said, you judge people by their inner character, right? Now what, I, what do I do about that? What, how, do I, how does that actually kind of hit the road. When I see that about you, when I see you doing that, Jesus, how does it move maybe just more from just up here to something that actually gets lived out? So take, this might take a, a minute or two. Take a minute or two. Can everybody see the list or at least have some idea of my chicken scratch up here? I was a little jealous of Brian Trevilla's handwriting last week. He had really nice handwriting. Um, but take a minute and think about either something again, it could be yours, it could be something else's. Um, and then, yeah, kind of go from there. Good luck in Chino. Thank you. That's a long drive. We'll pray for you. You should have, you should have had us pray for you going out to... Do you guys need your passport to get out there, or how do you... Um, so, got it? Take a minute or two, and, and again, the, the second part of this question would be, um, yeah, what is one way to move towards this? right? What would be one way to move our hearts, our souls, our minds towards kind of this aspect of Jesus?
guys are either thinking really deeply or you guys are got all the questions. Yeah, yeah, we could put that one somewhere. His miracles. So let me give you my little, um, what I had thought about as I was doing this list on my own time and just kind of thinking about this. You know, Jesus often asks this question. You see him ask this question so often when he encounters people. Um, he, when he encounters the blind man, when he encounters um, uh, the woman at the well, there's all, all these times he encounters these people and he says, what do you want me to do for you, right? It's a great question that Jesus asks. And I've been really kind of impressed by that question. So my kind of, the way that I would, I would move towards that, I guess, would be a lot of times in conversation, especially like in pastoral conversations, I feel that I'm the... Like, I'm going to tell you what to do. You know what I mean? Like, I have the answers. I'll help fix your problems. Here's the steps that you need to take. And when I see this in Jesus, my rabbi, right, my teacher, my master, I see Jesus asking people and inviting people into conversation. So my real takeaway for this kind of sermon was, in those conversations, how do I ask more questions? How do I invite people into conversation more than just kind of telling people what I know? Does that make sense? So, uh, this one, we don't have to go around the room in that kind of straight format, but let's have, let's have a couple uh, answers to that one. You want to you start over there? Yep, yep. Yeah. That's, that's helpful, Eric. That's really helpful. And I don't want to get into cancel culture, but <laughs> this, is, this is kind of what we've seen in that, right? When we're judging people in that worst moment, you know, and then we're ready to, that's, we just made that judgment for them. Or in their best moment, we think that they're the best thing in the world. Um, and really just kind of taken. And, and Father Doyle, who, who would work with a lot of the, the kind of gangbangers up in East L.A., he would say, all of us are more than the worst we have done, right? It's really important to think that people have done a lot of bad things, 
but we're more than that. We have more than that. So, yeah. Thank you. Dietra, anything to jump in on that? Or Isan? No? Go ahead. Have you have you ever found a way that that kind of works specifically well for you, or has there something been? Thank you.